Dear Broadies, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions in this country. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans and people who live in America. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. You can find a list of where to donate in each state at donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. I have personally started donating to states where trigger laws go into effect immediately. Remember, even if you can only spend $1 or $5, that helps. There are things we can do to fight this, and it is going to take continued focus and community support. So I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Because I'm most interested in in a landscape that's vast <laughs> and rich and interesting because there's just so many different voices and stories being shared. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pod Broads. This is a podcast about women in podcasting, and I'm your host, Alexandra Cole. Hello, everybody. Do you want to know something exciting? We are officially on interview number 15, and that feels like a really formidable number. You know, like the Podbrods is now officially an angsty teen who's strong in her convictions, slightly naive, but just naive enough to switch up the status quo because she's not stuck in the patterns of older generations. Okay, I could keep going, but I guess you could say I have early teen years on my mind, partially because I just had an IG Live last week with Chelsea Erson of the Dear Young Rocker podcast, and we were talking all about being an angsty teen ourselves and healing and talking to our inner child, so very on brand for the final week of Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, today's episode also really calls to this because in part of it, my guest, Teresa Avila, shares with me the surprising way that Harry Potter inadvertently set the building blocks for her career in podcasting right now. Teresa is an independent podcast producer and content strategist working out of Los Angeles. After years spent working as a writer and editor at various digital media companies, she rediscovered her passion for audio and podcasts while working at Girlboss. And we got all into that journey during our conversation together, really digging into those tipping point moments that further inspire the career path she is currently on. And I was super stoked to interview her since she was the one who led the successful reboot of Girlboss Radio with Sofia Amoruso and their other branded podcasts, ones that were specifically impactful in my early listening of women-hosted podcasts. Outside of that work, she's contributed to the launch of other original branded podcasts and audio projects with Fortune 500 companies, worked on podcasts with Dive Studios, National Public Media, and other independent creators. 
basically she's super dope has awesome style which we also touch on in this interview and its connection to the way highbrow and lowbrow cultural conversations come into the podcasting landscape and she is continuing to work on personal projects in the hopes of launching her own production company where she can continue supporting BIPOC creators in audio I shall keep you no longer from our conversation though and I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did having it Teresa, it's so wonderful to have you here. I know that we've been able to chat on the phone before, but this is our first time face-to-face, and I've actually been following your work for a little bit, so I'm super stoked that we have ultimately made it to this moment. (laughs) So, (laughs) welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, I feel like you and I are what I would say is now a classic example of people who meet on the internet Mm -hmm. and then become part of the IG family, right? Or like the (laughs) Twitter sphere. And we start, we, we start a relationship that's like very like, Oh, I really like what she tweets or I really (laughs) like the content that this person shares on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in time, you actually make the decision to be like, I want to reach out to this person mm-hmm. and like get to know them as a human. And I think, you know, we've gotten into that stage and now we're here and I'm very excited about that. Yeah. So why don't we give you a chance to intro to my listeners? So who you are outside of work and then who you are in your work and what your your current focus is, because I know a lot of us podcast creatives have a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. So outside of work is just such a hard thing to try and sum up. But it's, I, I, it comes back to like identity. The first thing that came to mind is I'm uh, the proud daughter of immigrants mm-hmm. uh, from Mexico. So I am very proud to be first generation Mexican American and orgullosamente Latina. And I devote a lot of my free time when I'm not in the podcasting world uh, to working with other young Latinas. I'm actually the executive director of Phi Lambda Rho Sorority Incorporated, Mm. which is a Chicana Latina based sorority in California. So I work a lot with uh, Latinas uh, in college who are just getting to college, who are just graduating college and who are trying to, you know, find their footing. That's so cool. See, this is why I like asking that question because that's the kind of information that I don't always get. You know, when you're just kind of doing the oh, general absolutely. research. It's not the thing that you're going to be like on LinkedIn. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know. Some people maybe are, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I've been doing it for more than a decade. Yeah. And it's just one of those things people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I have a board meeting with like other alumni. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, it's a sorority. And they're like, what? I'm like, it's a professional organization. They're like, huh? And I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> So, so is that something you started as like an undergrad person? Like, did you go through the sorority and then you ended up started helping it? Or how did you get started there? Now I'm just curious and I need to know more. <laughs> yeah, I joined the sorority when I was um, in my second year at UCLA and I became very, very involved, um, stayed involved uh, after I graduated and then took some time off, did graduate school and moved to the East Coast and did all that fun stuff. And then maybe about three years ago, I came back and reconnected with some other alumni, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, the great thing about being part of a sorority, especially one that's a little bit smaller like ours, that you, any relationship that you form through an organization like that, it's, it's easy to, mm, 
it's easy to reconnect with people, even if time has lapsed, because you you always have something that you can go back to and reminisce about, which yeah. is your undergraduate experience. Yeah, for sure. Well, and then so let's hear a little bit about your podcast work, because I'm already kind of making connections between the two and kind of some of the content you like to focus on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like within podcasting, um, I always tell people that my background is in media and in journalism. Um, as a writer and an editor at a lot of different um, digital media publications. Um, you know, I was at The Cut um, for New York Magazine, and uh, I've written for Remescla, a few other publications. And then um, I was also with Girl Boss, mm-hmm. um, And that was the way that I kind of got back into podcasting in the audio sphere. And I say that just because I got my master's in journalism. We can talk about that later. But, you know. <laughs> I did that and it was focused on audio storytelling and radio production, Um, but I didn't do that. And then when I was at Girlboss, I finally got to dive back into podcasting there. And ever since then, it's kind of been my my thing, my jam. So I'm very curious because for many people, the steps it takes to get into what we're doing right now, I think is way more like nonlinear than we're led to believe when we're first entering the workforce and we're like kind of picking the career path that we're going to be in. So bring me back to Teresa graduating undergrad and how you ended up, I guess, like at the cut first and then like kind of those those writing pathways and then ultimately mm. back to audio. Like what was going on and like how, how did we take that path? Yeah. Um, well, I didn't jump right into the cut. <laughs> right. That was like a job that I had as um, like an evening editor for a while. Um, mm. But what I will say is that I have, mm, I was going to say always, and I hesitate because I feel like some people are like, really? And I'm like, no, yeah, this is like true. This is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always been fascinated by journalism. And I knew early on when I was in high school that I wanted to be a journalist I wanted to work in media. Um, I was fascinated with like magazines and long form journalism and different writers and editors. And I was also like fascinated by like fashion and all that stuff. Um, And in college, uh, I was at UCLA for my undergrad. And uh, there I was a part of the Daily Bruin, which was, I don't know if it still has this title, but at the time it was the big selling point that we were the, the Daily Bruin was the second most widely circulated uh, newspaper in California after the LA Times. Wow. Just because of the sheer size, I think, of um, the student population and the, you know, athletic department and all of that. And it was a completely student-run organization. So it was very much um, rooted in mm, kind of like old school, just like newspaper journalism. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, uh, it's just, it was a very, uh, mm. the Daily Bruin as an institution is solid and it takes itself very, very seriously, rightfully so. Um, I think just because of it, the fact that we're at UCLA, we're in Los Angeles, Southern California. And, uh, yeah, so I basically got into journalism and I was like, I know I want to be a journalist. I'm going to be the Daily Bruin. I'm going to be an editor. I'm going to be a writer. And at the time, I remember there were a few people at the newspaper who were like NPR like um, folks okay, and who like loved NPR and were like trying to make radio a thing, you know, <laughs> and all of us, including myself at the time, were like, 
what? <laughs> we were like, no, I have, I have breaking news to go cover. Thank you. You're right. And they're like, no, but like we, we make these like audio stories and they're going to be like so emotive and just like great. And I always looked at them as kind of like this very like the indie darling right. friend, you know, in the group of journalists. And we, I was like, I, I don't listen to NPR. And I didn't at the time. I think it's changed now. But, you know, 12, 13 years ago, no, 15 years ago, even um, it's like public radio not really reaching as diverse an audience Mm -hmm. um, as it could be, Yeah, right? So all that to say, long story short, did journalism. Um, It was the doom and gloom era. Still kind of is, but more so at that point in time. Yeah. Um, A lot of big newspaper legends were taking buyouts Mm. because just it was – everything was shutting down. And I decided to try a few other things after I graduated. I thought I would do graduate school in education. So I kind of prepared myself for that. And then in the end, I was like, I don't think this is it. I'm going to try and make up for what I thought was last time. Did journalism school at Columbia. Discovered audio there and was like, what have I been doing? <laughs> did, you, did you think back I to like, that moment with your I really friend? did. I did. I was like, oh my God, those people at the Daily Bruin who were trying to make radio a thing were on to something. And I totally was like not having it then. And now I'm like, I have, you know, jumped off the cliff. Like I am all in like, yes, podcast. Yes, audio, like all of it. And even then, this was like 2014. Mm -hmm. So Serial had just taken off. And it was the first time that people, you know, um, Gimlet was like just starting. Mm -hmm. It was like not the thing that it is now. Um, And uh, yeah, I remember telling people like, oh, podcasting, this is going to be a thing. And they were like, what? (laughs) And then I was like, oh, my God, now I'm that person. I'm that person trying to convince other people. That's amazing. Wait, I have to ask yeah. you real quick. So what was it that did it for you? Like what what yeah. stars aligned in that moment that just made it go click for you? Ooh. Mm, so the journalism school um, at Columbia is very, uh, because it's only a one-year program, mm. unless you're doing, I think, like the documentary um, intensive course or cohort or whatever it is, Um <laughs> They are very much like, okay, great, we'll give you the basics. And then like you have to go into the city and report. Mm. And you your homework isn't homework, it's a story. You have to come back with a legitimate story, you have to go out into the into the city. Um, like New York City's your playground, go. And one of my first classes was a uh, like introduction to audio, and we had to go out and just like f- do like small things. It wasn't even like just to get used to handling the mic, you know, asking people stuff. And I think like my first little story was, uh, mm, I think it was like a halal (laughs) truck guy. Like I was just kind of like, what do you do for a living? Like, what's this like? Blah, blah, blah. Says the girl or asks, you know, me who's like from LA and has not seen a halal truck before. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously every other New Yorker is like, what are you talking about? Right. (laughs) And, uh, I chatted him up, you know, we were speaking for some time and I was able to get the mic really close to just like the crackle Mm. and the sizzle of like him like cooking the meat and like cutting it and dicing it up and then serving it. And then just all of that 
richness and detail and texture, Mm. I was unable to add into the story. And I realized, wow, this is like what you can't necessarily get in writing. Yeah. And that to me, I think was really that moment when I was like, okay, I really like this. Mm -hmm. Let's see how, uh, let's see how this goes. Yeah. I love that. It's such a good Good point, because, you know, I'm such a writer at heart, and I know that's part of who you are, too. And there's so Mm -hmm. many things that can be done in writing that can't be done in other places. But then I think of our other senses, like auditory ones or smell and what kinds of emotions and just like sometimes intangible memories that come up Mm -hmm. with those senses Mm -hmm. And I, I'm so glad you talked. The minute you started talking about the halal truck, I was like, I really hope that that's where this is going because I can already like hear it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's it. That's exactly it. It's like audio stories, you know, have this way of just transporting you to like a certain time and place that's just really evocative and just you feel like you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's just that, it's that added layer, that added dimension of texture in, in the storytelling that I think is really fascinating. Yeah, definitely. And so you did that. And then I know mm-hmm. I definitely want to jump in a little bit to kind of how you found yourself at Girl Boss. And I know you meant you were a, a like an integral part of all of these podcasts <laughs> that came to be and I was definitely like a listener of a couple mm-hmm. of them like the girl boss main one in yeah. progress with Marta <laughs> Gore. that was like my shit when it was you know three mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. I binged that whole season um yeah but I just want to hear a little bit about the process of building that out and kind of like what what you did for that what went into it and what the landscape was like at the time like the podcast Mm. landscape, just kind of all those Mm -hmm. pieces working together. So truthfully, when I arrived at Girlboss, it was a little bit of a stumble. (laughs) (laughs) I I was not expecting uh, to be there for very long. Um, I actually, I think, started out as a contractor, um, unsurprisingly now, but uh, Girlboss was just doing a lot of things at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they needed some extra editorial help. And I came in and was essentially right off the bat working full time, but on the editorial side as a contracted writer mm-hmm. or a writer on contract. And, you know, very quickly um, they were like, oh, can you like become full time, you know, staff? And I was like, great, awesome. I wasn't planning on that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. So I got there and I saw, okay, they have a podcast. Uh, at the time, it was a little dormant, it was kind of actually on hiatus. Um, Sophia, who is the founder of Girl Boss and uh, formerly of Nasty Gal, uh, she had been, she was just so busy building out other aspects of the company that the podcast was kind of turned, you know, was kind of put to the side for a little bit. And there was a lot of talk about bringing it back. And at that time, I said, hmm, if we're going to bring it back, I would love to take this opportunity <laughs> to really, really help the company out and think about how we can, you know, really come back in full force. Uh, so I basically pitched my job uh, to the higher ups at Girlboss and uh, became the podcast producer and strategist um, for Girlboss Radio with uh, Sofia Maruso. And um, 
that basically allowed me to not only work then on Girlboss Radio, but also on any other podcast that came out of Girlboss, which for us meant a lot of original branded audio content, Mm -hmm. uh, which I have now come to learn is not as common. I think <laughs> yeah. it's becoming more common now. A little bit, yeah. Uh, but at the time, it definitely was not. And uh, it was basically a crash course in learning how to take a kernel of an idea of what a podcast could be, sound like, and what it would feature, who it would feature, what what topics it would cover, and then learning to take that kernel of an idea and then execute it um, and release it to listeners. Yeah. So had you ever done anything like that before? Like pitched a literal job title and been like, this is something that we need and Mm -hmm. it doesn't exist there. And I just want to hear a little bit more about how, how the prep was for that in terms of like how you felt going into it. Cause To me, Mm. that sounds really Mm. exciting, but also intimidating. So I Mm. think it's Mm -hmm. dope Mm -hmm. that you did that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, it's it's funny because mm, mm, I'm trying to think like back then, like, was I scared to pitch this? Mm, I don't know that I was. I, I think I saw that there was a need and an opportunity and I was confident enough to know that I could fulfill, I could fill that need mm-hmm. um, and help the company. And I think that that's really, really key because I think if you're looking at it from a, this is a great and adva- advantageous for myself, <laughs> you know, then I don't know. That's, that's very, mm, that seems, it's a little limiting. Yeah. I think if anything, aside from it being very selfish on some level, right. I think it, it's, it's also limits, I think your creativity and your, um, and can hinder your approach. Um, like for me, I was genuinely interested in making the podcast better. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to do that if my time, if I wasn't able to devote myself fully to the project. So I kind of approached it from a like, listen, I really care about this show. I really think that there's a great opportunity for us to explore other podcasting content. And I love this. And by the way, I like have this master's degree from journalism, which I hope is really going to come in handy right now. (laughs) And like, this is not like a completely foreign thing to me. Yeah. So can we make something work? I think we can make something work. What do you think? You Mm -hmm. know, and um, maybe it was a little intimidating. I think when it came to like nailing down the specifics of the JD, but I don't think I had drafted my own JD before. Mm. And I am grateful to Girlboss for having granted me that opportunity to say like, okay, all right, Teresa, you really want this? (laughs) Like, I want you to go draft a JD, bring it back to me, and then we're going to negotiate. Yeah. And I think that's also just part of the culture um, that we had going on at the time at Girlboss. Yeah. Well, very startup culture, right? Yeah, it's very startup culture. It's very much like, you know what? Like, you want to do it? Great. Do it. Show up prepared. Know your stuff. Have the confidence to execute. Have the confidence and and knowledge needed to execute. And 
be willing to negotiate. Yeah. It feels very relevant to when I think about podcasting and where it is and how so many different pieces of it still now are quite new and just parts of the industry that are developing. Like I think about, you know, the PR bit that I'm like, that I focus on and that is very new still in terms of how it's forming and how it quote unquote should or can look. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's a really good point. And now I'm just like kind of comparing podcasting to like startup culture in general. Well, listen, I definitely think there is a connection when we think about podcasting specifically and startup culture, at least startup culture at large in what's, you know, developed in the last decade or so, Mm. right? Out of Silicon Valley. Audio though is archaic. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something really interesting there that it's a medium we are all familiar with, whether it be via, you know, have via terrestrial radio or just, you know, you grew up listening to the radio, your mom's, you know, little portable radio in the kitchen, (laughs) you know, or you grew up listening to the radio on like long road trips. Yeah. And that still is, that still by and large is the primary way that people consume audio still. Mm -hmm. So podcasting is like inherently archaic, but also very new Yeah, in the sense that it's like, oh, now we have this thing called, we have live streams, we have, you know, different podcasting apps. Like now, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just interesting to me. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because it makes me think about what you were saying earlier that really resonated with me about just that that NPR piece, right? Like I'm someone who mm-hmm. grew up with NPR was definitely a part of the household, definitely mm. part of the car drives, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, certain radio shows, Car Talk, I'm pretty sure is the name of the one with the two dudes who talk about Oh my like, God, cars. yeah. It's, I think that's like the <laughs> longest syndicated really? radio, public radio show, because it ended a very long time ago. Right. But it's something that's continue oh yeah i would hear it in the car with my dad listeners all the time um Mm -hmm. but it 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 makes me think about while i really enjoyed npr and there's parts of npr back back then i guess we could say what like 10 years ago i'm thinking when i'm like in high school even prior to then but there was a particular type of style and i bring up style Mm. because i genuinely mean not just in the audio, but what a an audio person looked like, you know, mm. and who was a part of that. And something that I know I'm really appreciating about what I feel like the last three, four years in podcasting is not just diversity and content and like creativity and experimentation, but also what a mm-hmm. podcaster can look like. And mm not just even talking about in terms of like race, but just literally how we present ourselves, how we style ourselves and things like that. And it was Mm. definitely something I wanted to bring up with you because Mm -hmm. I know you definitely are someone who's into like fashion, beauty, and it's one of the things. (laughs) I was like, is this this leading up to like a discussion about my very brightly colored hair and how it's blue and purple? (laughs) If you want to bring in the hair, yes. But just like, because you, you've done past writing. I was like reading your piece on, oh, I hope I don't butcher pronouncing his name, Bal, Balvin. Is that how you say his name? 
J Balvin? J Balvin. Balvin. Yeah. Um, yeah, J Balvin. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so that piece and just, you have a few pieces where it was like really talking about the intersection between like fashion and music, um, mm. specifically mm-hmm. Latin music and artists. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, what does that discussion look like between podcasting and fashion and just culture and like pop culture and things like that and bringing in mm. these these other parts of media that aren't just like the quote unquote NPR, like typical way of audio. Like news. Yeah. Like news and like topics that I would say are maybe a little bit more, uh, that have a little bit more quote unquote weight yeah. to them. Yeah. Right. Because they are newsworthy in and of them in their own right, or they are topics that are maybe a little bit more scholarly or perfectly fine to talk about at the dinner table with like your grandparents. And I say that I actually didn't really grow up knowing my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So like, this is my fairy tale Mm -hmm. version. When I think about like, oh, sitting at a dining table and like chatting it up with like your parents and your grandparents, that's kind of what I imagine. (laughs) Like those sorts of topics um, would maybe fall under NPR. But to answer your question about like, what does it look like to bring in more, I guess, like pop culture and fashion and music and kind of the fun stuff, yeah. I guess, like what, yeah. The, the stuff that people, I think initially when, I, I, when I say people, I'm like, obviously it's not everyone, it's not us, but like the stereotypical like way that people put these things into buckets of what's carries more weight, as you say, or mm-hmm. is more important in the discourse or more highbrow versus lowbrow, um, which I mm. I think it's way more complex than that. But I think there are these things generally where we're like, well, if it's pop culture, then that's more lowbrow than like, you mm. know, the academic articles mm-hmm. where all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that, yeah. So if we think about a traditional radio, I do think that, and this isn't just NPR, but mm-hmm. public media or even like uh, what now is basically like Sirius or any what eventually became satellite radio. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> it's like you have topics that are there's the highbrow and then the lowbrow, you know. Yeah. And I think somewhere in the last 15 years, um, maybe even a little bit further back with the rise of social media and just naturally having more people involved Mm -hmm. in the quote unquote public discourse, you've had a lot more people be vocal about how they want to talk about the quote unquote lowbrow topics in a highbrow way. Yeah. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, when I started out writing uh, as a freelancer, or even at, you know, other publications, um, when on staff, like, we would talk about like, okay, millennials are consuming news in a different way. Duh. <laughs> but like, what are they really interested in? And it's not that they're necessarily interested in new topics. It's just they're interested in a different approach to things that they've already been talking about consuming, listening to watching. So, and what I mean by that is you can talk about the Oscars (laughs) in a very like straightforward, this is like this director who's, this is his legacy, his or her legacy um, in filmmaking. And these are the types of films. And this is like 
what's great about their style of filmmaking, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. And then you can have somebody who's like, yeah, great, but like that guy or that girl, like, no, (laughs) we're going to talk about this other filmmaker and here's why, because they've been overlooked. Mm -hmm. And actually, I really enjoy that they like blend in hip hop and their soundtrack and they're really on point and they know their shit. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Oh, (laughs) no, you're fine. I I was like, oh my God, wait. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I had that moment where I was like, oh, shit. Um. But basically, you you have like this generation of people who are eager to consume the same content that maybe they were consuming when they were younger, mm-hmm. but they just want a different approach to it. You know, they want to look at it for, through a different lens, one that's highbrow, it's lowbrow, it's fun, it's relatable, it's accessible, mm-hmm. it's curious, it's not afraid to also be self-reflective yeah. um, and critical of like what's working, what's not working. And I think that generally in media, that's been the trend. And I think in podcasting, the great thing about it is that you now have another entry point for individual creators to start having those conversations in the way that they want to have those conversations. Hi, everyone. My name is Camilla, and I'm the creator of Abortion with Love a podcast dedicated to holding space for conversations to be had about abortion and honoring all abortion experiences. With each episode, you'll hear people from all over the world who in their own ways are fighting for reproductive justice and reclaiming the ways that we talk about abortion. I hope that through these conversations, we can reshape the story of abortion to be a story about love. You're all invited to join the conversation. You can find Abortion with Love anywhere you listen to podcasts. I hope to see you there. Okay. One more important PSA. Here's my challenge for you. Take a screenshot right now of this episode and share on social media with a tag to Poderland and the guest. I want to know that you're listening and I want to shout you out. Also, are you signed up for Poderland's email list yet? Because as much as I love social media and connecting through there, I'm also preparing for its demise and I want to make sure that I stay in touch with you and we have control over our communication. Not only will you get important updates about this show, you'll get recommendations of other women-hosted podcasts, news related to podcasters you love, discounts on my cute-ass merch, and much more. Okay, let's get back into this interview. Well, and that brings me to talking about the way that your work is really coming into this. So I know that you really are centering the work of women, of Mm -hmm. Black creators, POC, Mm -hmm. Latinx, Mm -hmm. just um, making sure that the content that is being made is not just for, Mm -hmm. but also by And so Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit. I know that you're working on something new, but I just want to hear a little bit about, you know, what you've been doing to really amp that up and like maybe what challenges you've come across, but also how that's moving in a better direction, I guess. I guess I'll start by saying that we definitely need more women in podcasting, in the audio space, either on the mic behind the mic, behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. like as engineers, as producers. Actually, on that note, I do think that there are quite a lot of women who work as producers in audio and not enough on the mic, but we can use more all around. (laughs) Um, And I think we definitely need just like more Black creators, more POC people like in the space, Mm -hmm. um, more queer people as well. Um, queer folks who are able to come in and 
a feel comfortable, you know, being who they who they are, um, and feel empowered to share their talents. You know, I think that the space right now, unfortunately, and there's a few reasons for it. Unfortunately, you do have a lot of, as in a lot of other industries, mm-hmm. a lot of men, and oftentimes a lot of white men, white cis men who are mm, kind of like their shows, you know, might be solid in their own right, but they're reaching a very, very specific audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm most interested in is looking at the audio landscape and seeing okay, what can we do to create more space, more opportunities for women and for BIPOC creators um, who are interested in audio? Because I'm most interested in in a landscape that's vast (laughs) and rich and interesting because there's just so many different voices and stories being shared. Yeah. I always think of, I forget who said it, but it was a Work at 2019, and oh, it might have been Christina Kim when she was interviewing a few creators on stage, like specifically about the issue of lack of diversity in audio. And there was a line that was something like, we want to make it for everyone is is a code word for white cis male audience. Make it like, mm. not acceptable, but um, like palatable yeah palatable for like Mm -hmm. everyone quote unquote or something like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's like there's this idea that there's some shortage in audience whereas Mm. it's really the other way around of what you're talking Mm. about it's like there's so much audience and there's so many different Mm -hmm. needs from those different audiences that so much can be made and there's going to be no lack of that. Mm-hmm, there's just mm-hmm. people not being served right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard because I, I mean, I feel like we could have a whole conversation about literally just this issue. Um, but I understand that when podcasting first started, again, it was like the weird and podcasting specifically, mm-hmm. you know, not, all the other audio Audio and radio and all of that. But like podcasting specifically, when it started, it was like in the corners of the internet where it was like a bunch of like geeky dudes who were like, like, oh, like we can record ourselves on like our computer and then like we can download these files onto like our iPods, (laughs) you know? And it was like, or, you know, any of the other devices that did not survive (laughs) Uh, as uh, viable competitors. And... It was, yeah, it was like a weird thing. Like, oh my God, I remember actually, and now I'm, now that I really think about it, I was listening to podcasts before I was in college, but I wasn't thinking of it as like a, as a viable career option at all. And I didn't connect it to like public radio at all in my mind, which now there's, we know that there's a strong connection there between the two. Right. What were you um, listening to? Oh my gosh, girl. I was listening to all of the Harry Potter podcasts. Like oh, it was amazing. a thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. When you like <laughs> yeah. literally had to download it from your computer onto your iPod. Wait. Yes. What were some of them called? Do you remember? I think, I don't know. Was it Pottercast? Pottercast. Something I do. Like I remember the name Pottercast. Maybe I listened to that. I definitely read about I it. I don't know. And I don't <laughs> actually remember, but I 
literally that was like my little internet community <laughs> coming of age, like tween, oh, like, yeah. oh my God, I'm listening to all these people and they're so smart about like Harry Potter and I just want to know everything that's going on. And now I know everything. Thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, it was it. just, yeah, it was, it was a thing, but again, it was still very like, uh, I don't want to say barrier to entry. It was just like a obscure thing. Yeah. But you also know, maybe kind the, of, right? Like, I hmm? guess maybe, I don't know, barrier to entry, but... Yeah, I don't know that it was necessarily a barrier to entry. I just don't think that people were thinking about getting into it because it wasn't like a thing that you were... Th- I wasn't listening and being like, oh, I want to get into this. It was just kind of like a, I really like this thing. Yeah. And I am going to... You know, I really like Harry Potters. And there are other people on the internet who really like Harry Potter. And they happen to make this thing. And now I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. You know? Um all this to say that, going back to the point of, you know, a lot of men, <laughs> a lot of certain type of men, you know, in podcasting, I understand that when podcasting started, it started on the dark corners of the web <laughs> and just like in very obscure, nerdy, geeky circles, you know, and a lot of times that meant that it was like mostly dudes on the internet, right? like making this sort of content. And, you know, fast forward a few years and it's like podcasting. What? It's like a thing that like a bunch of dudes on the internet like do (laughs) and they like make this content and share it with one another. And I really don't think that it was until Serial and like um, Gimlet really um, and Startup, the first season of, uh, of that podcast that you then started seeing like, oh my gosh, there's this migration happening of talent from public media, radio, that's moving over into podcasting because they've grown, you know, for several reasons, they're migrating. But you have this talent pool that's honed their craft in audio storytelling via public media, and now they're exploring podcasting. And then I really saw that as just, okay, now now we can start talking about like the landscape. Right. And there's a new generation of talent that's really coming into, into this space and they're bringing over, you know, documentary style storytelling. They're bringing in uh, field reporting yeah. uh, and recording and versus like somebody recording at home, which is now the thing that we're all doing. Yeah. But- yeah, so things have changed. Um, and, you know, it, it just means that now that we're, now when we look at the podcasting landscape, it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I get it. Most of, a lot of these shows are like dudes, but I get it. They were kind of doing this early before mm. it, a lot of us maybe were looking at the space. Not to give them that much credit, <laughs> but I understand that like, you know, podcasting as a medium has evolved. And yeah, you, with every generation um, of podcasting, as it evolves, you just have a different group of people coming into the space um, and changing things up just a little bit. Yeah. Or a whole lot. Yeah. I it's I know I again, we could get into like the longest conversation about this, but this is kind of kind of a more of a hypothesis. I wonder because I'm hearing you talk about this and I'm like, for sure. And then also, if we think about the history of like women in tech and mm-hmm. encouragement that young girls get to explore mm-hmm. tech and things like that, and this like kind of geeky 
side of the interwebs mm. that's tech involved. I'm like, I wonder though, like if we can, this stems from more, you know, like even whether it's a question oh, it's of all interrelated. Yeah, but it got me thinking of that. You know, I am sure that there are podca- early podcasters who, you know, are women um, or, you know, POC, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like, I'm sure they exist, <laughs> but that they got, you know, or were afforded, you know, as much of an opportunity right. to grow um, in the space early on as some of these other creators. I don't think so. Yeah. I need to do more research. I'm like now very intrigued to see what I can find on the the interweb mm-hmm. like corners of this history. Um, okay. Well, I'm sure <laughs> there's, yeah, we, I am very curious about this. And <laughs> if anyone out there has more information or, you know, can provide more historical context <laughs> yeah. to all of this, I am all for it because I'm sure I've gotten some things wrong and I am eager to, uh, to, to just learn more about this. Yeah. I don't even think that we talk about this generally. No, I podcasting not that like, deep in it. No. But mm-hmm. I would love to also receive the articles. So please feel free to DM me or email me <laughs> if you know of one. Uh, okay. I have um, one final question for you. And then we've got our three rapid fire ones. And Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I feel like I loved getting to go through kind of some of these. I don't know if I could call it philosophical, but just kind of a deep dive into okay, what's happening in the landscape of podcasting here, right? Um, But I also want to make sure that I give space to you to kind of talk just a little bit about like how this journey for you has transformed your own relationship with yourself and because of some of the projects you've been able to work on or because of having identified how you want to, you know, take an approach that you kind of own the space for as you move into this next part of your career. I just want to hear a little bit more about your personal. It's funny because when I first started uh, my whole journey into media Mm -hmm. at large, um, I was very dead set on a particular path and saying to myself, journalism, you're going to do news and then you'll progress to feature writing and you'll work your way up to be an editor and you know god willing you will be a top editor at a women's <laughs> magazine and you will be great and like you'll be doing amazing features or at least you'll be editing and assigning wonderful features and you'll also be close to like fashion and beauty and all of the great <laughs> stuff and then now i'm like podcasting <laughs> and it's just this like serious thing you know it's like this I'm like, what? Like, sometimes I'm like, huh? What? How? But why? And it's funny because my friends now are like, oh, yeah, you podcasting totally makes sense. (laughs) And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, you talk a lot. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. But like, also, (laughs) it, it just is. There are certain aspects of myself that now that I'm fully immersed in podcasting um I've discovered about myself Mm. so I love podcasting in the sense that you have an opportunity to just hear and feel Mm. on a different level and for me personally it's it's been an interesting journey I don't want to say like self-discovery 
but it's allowed me to tap into different aspects of myself that professionally, Mm -hmm. um, that were always there, but because they didn't apply to that narrow, uh, career trajectory or plan that I had set out for myself when I was in college, I wasn't really interested in exploring. So I'm grateful to podcasting because it's allowed me to explore other aspects of myself and other things that I'm skilled at, (laughs) uh, that I just otherwise would have never even considered exploring. Yeah. What, what are some of those aspects? If you can name them. Hmm. Well, I would say for one, I think like when you're a reporter, um, depending on what kind of uh, reporting you're doing, you're very much focused on, I'm just kind of like the fly on the wall, you know, I'm observing things, I'm uh, just here to get like factual bits of information, (laughs) and then maybe I'll get like a good soundbite, and then, you know, I'll use my writing chops to kind of stitch it all together, and hopefully it all makes sense, and it's great. And in podcasting, you also naturally have to bring a little bit more of yourself Mm. into the conversation. And I think that that's been an interesting, uh, interesting learning curve for me, you know, to to go from journalism and something, especially like Columbia, Mm. which is very much rooted uh, in very um, old school uh, shoe leather type of reporting. (laughs) Um, I love that you're laughing because not many people know what that means. (laughs) Um, Yeah, to go from that to being okay with, conversations that maybe just meander a little bit Mm -hmm. here and there and it just you have personalities and uh, a little bit more uh, levity Mm -hmm. in in conversations Um, so I think that that's been interesting for me as a creator and I think also now that I'm exploring how I can best be of service um, to my community uh, in audio, I've been thinking a lot more about like, okay, if, instead of just being a creator or a producer, you know, working behind the scenes, if, if I want to create longer lasting change in this landscape, mm-hmm. does it mean that maybe I have to think about this from a strategic business standpoint? You know, does it mean that instead of just being a creator, like maybe I am working with a lot of other creators Um, And kind of thinking of different ways that we can shake things up in podcasting. And that has allowed me to really think like, okay, maybe I'm not just a creator. Maybe I'm not a creator. Maybe I'm not just a journalist. But like maybe I'm a business person also. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like that was never something that I had really considered early on. So very long answer. All to say that – yeah, podcasting is interesting. It's it's allowed me to explore different aspects of myself as a creator, mm-hmm. um, as a host, uh, storyteller. And it's also made me think about how I can best combine my unique skills and talents and experience in a way that is not necessarily just being a creator or somebody who works behind the scenes, but is also like, okay, we're all living in the creator economy. Mm-hmm. So like, let's also think about the business aspect of this. Mm, yeah. I love that. I think it's so important. And it's definitely more conversations around that, that we all need to be having, especially as women in the space. And mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. want to speak for like uh, all the other women, but I know that 
it can be a really intimidating part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just like the business part, aspect yeah, of it all. The business aspect, especially yeah. coming in as a creator when that's mm. your mind first, at least in that amount yeah. of time. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a reason why you know, musicians also have managers right. and A&R teams and they sign with labels. Some people want to just be creatives yeah. and that's perfectly fine. But if you're interested in maybe a little more or in something that's a little different, there's also opportunities in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is definitely the time in podcasting to be exploring what those avenues um, are and could look like yeah well and even if you don't fully enter it understanding how it works so you can protect mm. yourself you know? yeah absolutely oh yeah it's mm. a whole other yeah, conversation I know. We, but have, we have so much super more. important <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so many more conversations so important. to be had but okay so we are going to jump into the final three rapid questions and gosh i feel like this always gets me on edge i'm like a <laughs> Teresa, can you give a word one word answer? And I'm like, no, oh I'm a writer. <laughs> like, this is why I, I have always needed an editor in my life. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I, I always tell my guests, I'm like, it's more rapid fire for my questions because I also am a bit of a rambler. Um, but answer how you see fit. No pressure. Okay. So yeah. first one is who in the podcast space do you name as either a mentor or just someone that you emulate and love? how they move in their work? Ooh. Well, really quick, um, as a mentor, I don't know that, you know, we've never had like a conversation where I'm like, oh, you're like my mentor, but definitely somebody that I have reached out to mm-hmm. throughout uh, my career for advice here and there uh, is Carrie Donahue. Mm-hmm. She's part of the faculty at Columbia when I was there, and we've definitely kept in touch ever since. Um, diehard public radio person. Um, she's been super great and just, always was rooting for me from day one. Um, I remember actually my first, first class in audio. I believe she was one of the instructors. And I went up to her and just started talking about the differences between public media in Southern California and how I had, and like New York, or at least what I had, you know, seen. I was like, WNYC versus like, you know, Southern California public radio. And I was like, and I'm actually realizing that like these journalists are going out into these communities and doing this, this, and this, this. And she was like, so we need you in public media. (laughs) She was just like, and I was, I'm not in it now, but she definitely has been a big cheerleader and someone that I've always looked up to. And then in terms of just people in the audio space that I really admire, um, I mean, listen, Misha Youssef is doing fantastic things um with Dustlight Productions and I am in awe of everything that she does. We haven't connected yet, but I'm manifesting that meeting oh my God. in this interview as we speak. I'm obsessed that you just listed her because she's like one of the top people on my list that I want to have on this show. Like I've literally been thinking about it this week and I mm-hmm. also have been watching her work and she did this great talk on like IP uh, intellectual property um, in podcasting. And like, since then I've just been like obsessed, but I've learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like remember her, I think from when she was working in public media, oh. um, as a producer and anyways, so I've been, been a 
longtime fan. <laughs> we're like, if you're hearing this, we're both manifesting yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love Our power that. is just going to combine. Yes. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I see it already like inner, just like wrapping itself around each other. And it's. I love it. Amazing. Okay. So next question is when you are listening to podcasts for pleasure, what are some podcasts we could find on your queue? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> always still processing. Oh, so um, good. yeah, I, they're like my dream dinner party guests, <laughs> um, forever and ever. Another thing that I'm manifesting on my list. <laughs> um, big fan of call your girlfriend, mm. you know, every now and then I'm um, listening to that, their show. Um, but to be honest, I have to say that right now, because I'm so busy working on other podcasts, mm-hmm. a lot of my podcast listening is just news. Um, so I have different playlists of just a lot of different news podcasts, like daily podcast, weekly news podcast. Um, and I kind of cycle through those throughout my mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some people watch CNN in the morning or listen to NPR. You know, a lot of the podcasts I do listen to are NPR news shows. But <laughs> I try to jump around and kind of see what different publication news outlets are doing in audio. Nice. Okay. Well, final question is where can my listeners find you and support the work that you're doing? Ooh, yeah. So I have a Twitter account. Don't try and at me there uh, or DM me. It's probably going to take me a while. I'm terrified of Twitter and have (laughs) been for some time, but I am on Instagram um, at by Teresa Avila and you can always find me there. Um, I'm also on Clubhouse, just at Teresa Avila. Um, I also host a lot of different rooms there um, under the Hefas Club on Clubhouse. So Instagram, Clubhouse, I'm on there. Okay, awesome. And I'll put that all in the show notes so that they can find it. But thank you so much for joining me today. I feel like we have so many more future conversations left to be had that we weren't able to fully get to today and I can't wait and I'm super stoked to see what updates you have coming up later this year about your work yeah super excited um thanks for having me and I agree we definitely have a few other conversations that we should explore our original music is produced by Carrie Blue and everything else is produced by me, myself, and I, Miss Alexandra Cole. And you can follow me on Instagram at Podraland, P-O-D dot D-R-A-L-A-N-D, or Twitter at Podraland, minus the period. And you can find more of what I do on Podraland at www.podraland.com, where I recommend women-hosted podcasts and feature indie women podcasters. So I hope to see you there. Feel free to subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get recommendations and updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode, tag us in it, like that shit, give us a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's our goal. So let's fucking do it. (laughs) 